Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 142 and a half. Brought to you by the fine folks at Freshly. <laughs> How you doing? My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me. He is uh, still trying to thaw out up there in the chilly, chilly cold that is Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. He was on site for tonight's UFC on Fox 26 event, which turned out to be a lot of fun. I was back home watching in my office here in Las Vegas and and really enjoyed it. You know, certainly the the, the type of card that would have been fun to, to attend in person, but I sure as hell wasn't dealing with that cold weather up there. How about you? <laughs> Amazing performance from Rafael Dos Anjos in the night's main event, picking up a 50-45 to 45 win on all three judges' cards over Robbie Lawler. I got to say, I thought this was just an amazing performance by Rafael Dos Anjos. You know, I I, I picked him coming into this fight, but, oh, man. You know, I thought it was a coin flip type of fight. We know what a dangerous fighter Robbie Lawler is. And, uh, you know, going in there that, you know, anything can happen. That's for damn sure when you're facing a guy that hits as hard as Robbie Lawler. And I thought thought Rafael Dos Anjos looked like the real deal tonight. I really did. I think he has proven himself a legitimate contender at 170 pounds. Proven that he belongs in that division. Because I got to be honest, I wasn't always so sure about that. You know, he decided to make the move. Listen, it, it made sense that he made the move. The guy was killing himself on these weight cuts, right? I mean, notoriously bad weight cuts down to 155 pounds. And he said, listen, man, I, I just can't keep doing this to myself. And, you know, the people around him are like, it's not good. But, you know, as, as short as he is at his size, you know, like 5'9", I think he's listed at, you know, I felt like 170 pounds was going to be very problematic, but I think he's proven that's just not the case. I mean, he's fought some, you know, rangy, lengthy fighters and Tarek Safadine and Neil Magny, and now he's facing one of the heaviest hitters in the division and stood right there toe-to-toe with them. I think he's definitely proven that he's the real deal at 170 pounds and, you know, also said tonight that it's not just the physical, the mental too is so much better. He feels so much more motivated you know, knowing that he doesn't have that nasty weight cut to deal with. And I thought this was a fantastic performance. I think, uh, you know, we know that Robbie Lawler was certainly not 100%. You know, you could hear him. Uh, one one advantage, I think, sometimes, you know, obviously I, I enjoy attending cards and, and watching either from cage side or backstage uh, when I'm working. But, you know, when you're, when, you're walking, when you're watching from home, you get that corner audio that, that we don't always get uh, on fight night. And it was kind of cool to hear um, – I mean, not, I guess cool might be the the, <laughs> the the wrong word considering we're talking about an injury. Um, but you definitely knew that there was something wrong with Robbie Lawler, the way he was talking to his team. And, you know, you very clearly saying there's something wrong with my knee. You know, it, it planted in a weird way, whatever the exact words that he said. So we know that Lawler was dealing with an injury. Um, but I, I just, I, I'd hate for that to be some kind of, a, a, of an excuse or, or a reason to write off Rafael Dos Anjos' performance. I think that would be a huge mistake. Did it contribute to the fact that it was 50-45? Probably. You know, Robbie Lawler was definitely not fighting at 100% for the last couple of rounds. But I don't think that should take away from the performance that Rafael Dos Anjos had. And I, uh, I I had the fight scored all five rounds for Rafael Dos Anjos as well. I know watching the post-fight talk, you know, some of the folks on the, the official UFC post-fight show there were saying they didn't score it that way. But I thought it was a clean sweep for Rafael Dos Anjos. And I think Robbie Lawler deserves a lot of credit, man. The guy was doing the best he could, man. He was still throwing bombs and, you know, trying to find a way to get something done, even though he was hopping around on on one leg or, hell, maybe even 
you know, maybe even neither leg was working properly with the damage he was taking. I mean, hell, you know, Javier Dos Anjos was limping to the press conference and, and, and getting carted around on a on a dolly by Jason Perillo, and he was the one giving the leg kicks, and even he was hurting. So that should tell you the type of pain that was going through both those guys. But uh, just a solid performance from start to finish, and uh, no question about it for me, man. Javier Dos Anjos is, is the number one contender in the welterweight division. You know, him versus Tyron Woodley, that's the fight I want to see right now. It really is. You know, I, I, I kind of talked coming into this um, that maybe you could do the Covington fight, you know, especially with Tyron Woodley, you know, being on the sidelines uh, with the shoulder injury. You know, maybe you could do Covington and, and Woodley as coaches on the Ultimate Fighter and then have them meet at the end. Um, I, 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 I want to see RDA now. I, after that performance, I want to see RDA. And um, I don't know, I guess maybe it never crossed my mind that there could be, you know, performance like this that would make me say, that's that's the one I got to see. You know, I, I kind of thought about, you know, the rivalry, the business aspect of Colby Covington and how much fun that might be to sell. Um, but, you know, and you could still do as coaches of the Ultimate Fighter. You just do Rafael Dos Anjos as well. Now, would that be as good a TV as, as, as Colby Covington being on there? No, absolutely not. It, it, would, it would not be. Uh, and, and that's no offense to Javier Dos Anjos. I mean, he'll just tell you, I'm not a big talker. I'm not somebody that's going to talk trash. I'm not out here trying to sell fights. Um, so, you know, I, I I think you could still go the Ultimate Fighter coaches. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that's the plan. But you could still do it, and that would give Tyron Woodley plenty of time to heal up from his shoulder injury. I'm sure he'd be doing, you know, rehab out here in Las Vegas anyway uh, at the Performance Institute. So, you know, why wouldn't you have him? do the ultimate fighter so i think it makes sense i don't know that it would be as good tv i respect colby covington you know colby covington took to twitter look i'm a, I'm a colby covington fan man I, I i like his shtick i think sometimes it goes too far no question about it um but i like the guy you know he's trying to make waves and i can respect that you know he's he's, he's gotten himself noticed that's for sure and i can respect him for that but you know him saying that wasn't a great performance you couldn't finish lawler you know um, he dropped the filthy animals line, trying to trying to you know rile up Javier dos Santos, and and uh, Javier did not take the bait. He said, "Listen, that's I don't even want to talk about that guy." So um, I I respect Kobe Covington for taking the shot, but for me right now, for my money, I I, I want to see RDA versus Tyron Woodley. So uh, I think that's definitely the fight to make, and and hopefully that'll happen. Uh, again, we're gonna have to wait for for Lawler. Uh, we're gonna have to wait for Woodley to get cleared with his shoulder. Um, but I think certainly we'll be seeing that fight in 2018. At least I hope we will. I think it's it's clear cut. There were no UFC officials speaking to the media afterwards. I don't think Dana White was even there. I could be wrong. Um, but he did not speak to the media. Um, and Dave Shaw, who actually uh, sometimes speaks to the media, um, he didn't stop by the press conference either. So, you know, there was nobody even to, to, to bounce that question off to see if they thought about it. But, um, you know, maybe we can talk to, to Dana here in the next couple of weeks uh, ahead of UFC 219. Um, you know, the one other thing about this main event, I guess the, the question, should the corner stopped it? You know, I, I saw some people saying that and I am a believer that the corner should probably stop fights more often than they do in MMA. You know, you see it a lot in boxing and you just don't ever see it in, in MMA, to be honest with you. It's just not something that's commonplace, but I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was, it was necessary here. Um, you know, I, Lawler wasn't taking just completely unnecessary abuse. I mean, was was he taking some shots? Yeah, he was. But, you know, it wasn't like he's getting dropped over and over and, uh, you know, just, just busted up badly. You know, no, he was taking some shots. 
Rafael Dos Santos is a cardio machine, man, just nonstop. Um, and, and it looked pretty clear to me how this fight was going to happen. But Lawler, man, he throws bombs. And uh, if he connects, things can change. So I didn't have an issue with him not stopping the fight. You know, I, I could see how somebody might want that fight waved off by the corner. But, but I was okay with it. I, I was okay with it. So overall, to me, man, I, I thought this was a fantastic main event. And uh, I, I just give all the credit in the world to Javier Dos Santos, man. The dude... Uh, just keeps proving the doubters wrong and just seems to be getting better and better. And, man, again, the real deal at 170 pounds. He uh, he spoke to the media afterwards, pretty pretty satisfied with his performance, even though he was a little banged up, and made his case for why he thinks he deserves the title shot next. So uh, here's what Javier Dos Anjos had to say at the post-fight press conference. Hey, Javier, right here in front of you. Uh, congratulations on the win. Uh, we see you limping in here. Can you tell us what happened? Did you suffer you know, a serious injury or anything in the fight, or is it just from you know all the kicks and stuff? No, nah, just the kick and stuff, you know, just sore. And it was a 25-minute war. I threw some several leg kicks, body kicks, and just some bruise. Yeah, and just what do you think of your performance tonight? I mean, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people thought it was going to be a close, close fight coming in, but you won every single round. Did you expect to be that dominant in there, or did you think maybe it was going to be a little more competitive? Yeah, I, you know, I trained for it, you know. I trained to, to have that, uh, to have a, a, a dominance performance, and that's what I trained for, and I'm, I'm not surprised, and, you know, I, I know I did enough at the gym, Every day, and I'm just on my on my way for my second belt. Yeah, and Robbie came in here limping as well, and uh, you know he didn't say much. He didn't tell us, you know, exactly what happened in the fight. But did you sense at some point in the fight that you hurt his leg? Was it maybe from one of the kicks, from something else? Did you realize anything in there as far as that? Yeah, I feel that part of my game was I knew I have like strong strong punches, good boxing. <clears throat> part of my game was my strategy was kill the legs so he will not be able to throw as hard as he usually do and he's not gonna have that good footwork so the leg kicks was part of my strategy and it seemed like he was barely able to stand for you know the maybe last round or so did you feel that you would be able to put him away at that point or were you you know not sensing that you had him close to a finish yeah i, I felt that I got, I got i need to go back home and watch the fight but i feel i was close to finishing him I think on the second or the third, but he was, my hands are hurting because of his head. He, he got a pretty tough head. And he's a tough guy, former champion. And of course, he was a bigger man tonight, but you know, I, I just feel strong too, you know. And yeah, I feel that I, I got close to the finish, but he's so durable. Yeah, and your hands looked excellent tonight too. How much credit do you give to Jason Perillo for just the, the improvement in your boxing? Yeah, man, I have, um, I, I, I put together a great team, you know, good friends and, 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 you know, and good people, good coaches around me. I have, uh, that was a combination of everything. I have Jason Perillo, I have Eduardo Pamplona, my Muay Thai coach too. So I, I play a lot on the clinch too. So that, that helped me to take out his gas. And I've been working my hands with Jason too. You know, my jiu-jitsu with my old, old friend. Philippe De La Monica, Bubba Jenkins, my wrestling. So I think I put on a great show. Uh, I show my skills everywhere. You know, my boxing skills, my Muay Thai skills, my knees, my takedowns, my jiu-jitsu, you know, my top game. That was uh, a good performance. 
Yeah, and last thing, I know you were just on the Fox set with Tyron Woodley. Uh, we weren't able to watch it, obviously, because we're in here. Can you tell us what happened up there with him? Did you know what kind of interaction do you guys have, and do you feel after that that you are going to get the title shot next? Yeah, I hope so. I just was. I told him that I had to tell him face to face that I'm not interested in his Gucci belt. I wanted that UFC gold belt. And Gucci belt, I can buy one if I want. It's not not much my tasty, tasty, but I want that gold belt. Did he say anything to you? Like, do you feel yeah, like he wants to fight? Yeah, just like that. Yeah. Does he? Do you feel like he wants to fight you next, though? Or do you, I yeah, mean, I, we know I, he's getting surgery and stuff. So what do you think happens? Yeah, I can. I, I'm able to 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 wait for him. You know, I think I did enough on that division to deserve the title shot. And you know, and I'm not a guy that talks so much. Try to get. That title shot because I'm talking bad about people, you know, cursing people. I just go there and sh do a great performance like I did tonight. And, you know, I just, I hope so. Dana White said that. And that's what I hope. Rafael, congratulations on the win tonight. I thought that was one of your best performances ever. How would you rank that performance versus some of the other ones you've had in the past? Yeah, I need to go back home and watch the fight. You know, Rob is a very durable guy. And of course, he was a bigger man tonight, but you know, I just felt strong. You know, I stepped on that cage with 100, 181, 182 pounds, just my normal weight. You know, I'm not carrying extra weight and just feel good. And I was able to push hard the fight, push the pace. And he was strong, but you know, just happy, put a great guys behind me, good people, you know, like being working hard. This guy helping me become a better fight every day. It's amazing to see how many people online are still so surprised at what you've been able to do at welterweight. Are you surprising yourself? No, man. Uh, you know, people forget. People, uh, most of the people on MMA, MMA fans, they have a very short memory. You know, people remember you because of your last performance. They don't remember your whole career. And I never had an uh, easier path to get on the lightweight belt. I'm not going to have an easier path to get on the welterweight belt. I'm not the guy that talk much. I don't curse people. I, you know, I just go there and work. And you know, I feel that I've been, I'm 33 years old, and I feel that I'm getting mature. I feel in a way better shape than I was 25. But you know, I just like I, I feel that I was getting so drained on to drop the weight to 55, so I couldn't perform at my best. And Walter weight, I still feel that in my body's make some adjustments. But I feel I'm getting there. If Tyron is going to be out for a while with the shoulder injury, and may, which may require surgery, would you take a fight in the interim? Or would you perhaps just wait it out if you get the title shot? Just be a former champion. Then I might say whoever wins the fight will fight for the belt. You know, that was my third fight in six months. And I've been in fight camp for, for the last six months. Like, just fight camp, straight. And I need some time off too, and time to go back home, you know, get better, you know, and, and have a, like a little longer camp to prepare for a title fight. So if he got a, I hope he got a, the, the surgery done because he was a, take, about to have a surgery to fight uh, uh, some other guy, but he was about to fight Diaz. So he said he don't need surgery to fight one guy, but he needs surgery to fight a different guy. I don't get it. But, yeah, I, I'm willing to wait. 
I just want to um, read to you a message that Colby Covington put on Twitter aimed at you, and I want to get your reply to this. This is from Colby Covington. He says, sad performance by the JV squad on Fox for UFC Winnipeg. RDA couldn't even finish a broken old man. Tyron's faking injuries. I'm here to make this division great again. Rafael de Sanos, step up and defend that dump you call home and fight me for the interim title. What do you make of that? I have no comments about that guy, man. That guy have 6,000 followers on Twitter. He's just talking crap about people. And he showed not, nothing on the division. He, he beat nobody. He beat Damian Maia, but Damian Maia looked really bad when he fought Damian. And I have no comments on that guy. Okay, and just one more for me, Rafael, uh, right here. Uh, obviously, you're going for the title shot versus Tyron Woodley. If you do get that fight, how do you beat him, and what are you able to do that his previous opponents you know, during this title reign haven't done? Yeah, I think when he fought uh, uh, Damian, he was worried about takedowns only, you know? And when he fought uh, uh, Wonderboy, he was wor worried only about stand-up. I think with me, he got to worry about everywhere. I'm going to kick him, I'm going to wrestle him, I'm going to, you know, try to take him down, I'm going to box him. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to have a lot of things to worry about. Thank you. Congrats again. You're welcome. Rafael, do you see, when you look back at 2016 and then you look at where you are now, do you see yourself where you are at this moment? Sorry, can you say it again? Yeah, after, after 2016 and not, not winning that year and then coming into 2017 and going up a weight division, winning three straight, did you, did you kind of foresee this at the end of this time last year? Yeah, man, I, you know, like I was, I had two losses last year. Tonight was my third win this in 2017. I moved up a weight division and I... As long I still believe I can become a champion, I will, I will keep fighting. You know, as long as I still believe I can be the best, I'll keep fighting. By the time that I don't believe I can be the best anymore, I will retire. And I still believe I can be a champion, I can be the best. Do you, do you feel yourself, do you, sorry. Sorry, guys. Do you feel that you're more focused now uh, than you may have been in the past? I mean, tonight looked, maybe one of your most complete performances. How do you kind of see that? Yeah, I think it's just physically, man. Mentally, too. I feel better. And I'm not killing myself, try to make weight. And, you know, I, I did what I had to do at lightweight. I became a champion. I defend my belt once, you know. And I lost on my second title defense. And I tried to do it again. I lost to Ferguson in Mexico City. But I just reinventing myself become a better guy, a better fighter, and I'm still 33. I still have a couple more years to go strong, and I think fight to on this life is about motivation. You have to be motivated. I wasn't motivated, I lightweight. Now I feel motivated on that new division. Rafael? Um, incredible journey throughout your career, and then, like you said, reinventing yourself at 170. What would it mean to you to become the first Brazilian to capture belts in two different weight classes? Yeah, that, that's my goal, man. Like I said, I, mean, I, I still believe on it. I still, I still believe I can make it. And it would be great, man. It would be great. I'm first Brazilian lightweight champion. And I'm looking forward to become a first Brazilian welterweight champion. And that's, that's great for my legacy, you know. 
And, you know, I fight for my family. I fight for, you know, for my coaches, for me, for myself. And it will be great, man. You know, I'm looking forward to it, to accomplish one more goal in my life. Thank you. You're welcome. So there you have it, Rafael Dos Anjos, after his impressive performance this evening. Robbie Lawler, uh, as you would expect, all class and defeat. He did show up to the post-fight press conference. Uh, didn't want to make any excuses. Uh, the veteran that he is, the classy uh, vet that he is, basically just said, listen, uh, yeah, my knee was injured. I know when it happened, I'm not, I, but that doesn't matter. I'm not going to tell you when it happened. I, I don't know what happened to it, but I know exactly when it happened. Uh, but I don't, I don't even want to go into it. Didn't want to make any excuses. Didn't want to make – didn't want to take anything away from Alfredo Sanjo. So um, tough loss for, for Robbie Lawler. You know, I think he's he's definitely still got some fights ahead of him. You know, I saw some people saying maybe maybe that would be a good way to go out. But, I mean, the guy's, the guy's still young. I mean, he's only 35 years old, uh, and he's still fighting at a high level. I think, you know, being injured tonight certainly made it more difficult on him. But, you know, I think he's still got some fights ahead. And, again, I don't think he took, you know, too terribly much damage tonight where I'm worried about his safety or anything like that. So uh, I think we'll still see some big fights from, from Robbie Lawler in the future. Hey, speaking of all class – how about to find folks at Freshly, huh? <laughs> By now you know. We've been talking about them for a while. By now you know about Freshly. Listen, it's the uh, weekly prepared meal service that delivers fresh, never-frozen meals to your front door. I'm telling you, I love it. I got my delivery earlier today. Makes life so much easy. Chef-inspired, chef-executed, fresh meals with all natural ingredients. What more could you want? What more could you want? No shopping for food. No chopping, no prep, no cleanup. I like to cook, but I sure do like somebody else doing it for me. They've got fantastic food made with all natural ingredients. Again, all natural, no artificial flavors, preserves, no refined sugars, no gluten, none of that stuff. And it's easy. I'm telling you, man, if you're thinking about pulling the trigger on it, do it. I'm not trying to sell you something you don't need, but if you're thinking about food prep, use Freshly. Give them a shot. They're really, really good. Go to Freshly.com. Type in the code ROADSHOW. That's all one word. They're going to give you $20 off the first two weeks. That's six meals a week for only $39. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Give it a shot. If you're in the, if you're in the market, this is the way to do it, I'm telling you. All right, co-main event, Josh Emmett. Wow. Wow. Crushing knockout of Ricardo Lamas. Man, this was fantastic. Josh Emmett came in and uh, on short notice took the challenge. Didn't make weight, which uh, he was very apologetic for. Um, I think ultimately it cost him $50,000. He was not given a performance of the night bonus. And you got to think, had he made weight and gone in there and do what he did, just a huge counterpunch, leaving Ricardo Lamas out cold, you got to think that he would have picked up a $50,000 performance bonus. Didn't get it because he missed weight and, of course, was fined 30% of his purse as well. So the short-term financial issues for uh, Josh Emmett are real. But, man, the long-term benefit of, of a victory like this, Josh Emmett is now on the map. I guy, you know, came in former lightweight, cuts down to featherweight now. Uh, looks big at the weight class. Looks powerful at the weight class. Man, just came out swinging, going for the fences with every opportunity. Um, and Lamas was dealing with it well. Thought Lamas was doing a fantastic job of moving. You know, he's he, countering back. 
just looked like he was in fine form. It looked like Ricardo Lamas was was ready for the challenge, and you know I think things were going Ricardo Lamas' way. And then in in one swoop, man, the big counter shot lands flush, and Ricardo Lamas out cold. Can't ask for a better night than that if you're Josh Shimmon, other than the fifty thousand dollars and your thirty percent of your purse back. But again, he's now on the map. Now what this means is is in far as what comes next for Josh Shimmon, it's tough to say. I mean. The hard part about these fights when you come from nowhere and beat somebody in the very, very top of the weight class. You know, he was number – Ricardo Lamas was number five in the MMA junkie rankings. Does that mean you automatically get number five? I mean, I think he was number three. Lamas was number three in the UFC rankings. I know, you know, Emmett kept saying, I, you know, I want that number three spot. I, I don't know if it works quite like that. I don't know if you can, you know, jump the line quite that far. Uh, but you definitely set yourself up for some big opportunities. You definitely set yourself up for some big fights coming forward. Um, you know, we, we didn't have him Emmett, anywhere close. We didn't have him on our, on our honorable mentions. We didn't have him in the top 15. Um, and I know, you know, gorgeous George Garcia, the host of MMA Junkie Radio, he's the one that kind of heads up the MMA Junkie rankings panel uh, and, and system. You know, I, I know he always likes to talk about uh, kind of slow in, slow out, so to speak, you know, gradual climbs. And so that makes it challenging. I mean, I mean it really does make it challenging. Because do you just swap a guy up there at number five? It's tough to say. It's tough to say. I don't think you put him up there that far, but you know, you definitely he is now on the radar. What a hell of a way to get your name known. Now the flip side of that, Ricardo Lamas didn't have to take this fight. All right. And and kudos to Josh Emmett for pointing that out repeatedly and saying, Hey, I got all the respect in the world for this guy for taking the fight because he didn't have to do it. You know, I missed weight. He could have very easily said, nah, I'm good. Thanks anyway. But he took the fight, and then he paid the price. And it's 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 really interesting, especially to happen on the same card as Tim Elliott. Of course, you know, Tim Elliott's opponent, Pietro Minga, stepped in on short notice and missed weight. And Tim Elliott said, no, I'm not taking the fight. Even though the UFC and the commission said that he could if he wanted to, Tim Elliott said, I'm not taking the fight. Now, I don't necessarily side with Tim Elliott in saying, you know he's been he's been very vocal since saying, hey, I should get my full win bonus too. You know I should get my show and win money. It's my opponent that didn't make weight. It's not me. I I don't think I can necessarily agree with that. I think you know knowing that you get if that was the standard that you want to set and knowing that you keep your show and win bonus, then why would anybody take a fight when somebody misses weight? You know what I mean? Like uh, he misses weight by a pound, sir. We can either give him twenty percent. Uh, you know, we can give you 20% of his show money and the fight goes on. Or you can just cancel it and, and not do anything and you can get your show and win bonus. I mean, that – I just – logically, I don't think that makes sense. I think that's the whole point of, of why the fine is in place is so, you know, how the fights will go on. I will say this, and I've said in the past, remember, that 20% or in, in the case of, uh, you know, Lamas was, was 30%, th- those aren't standards. I mean, there's kind of a, a running guideline – but they're not standard set in stone by the organization. So negotiate. Ask for more money. You know, if somebody misses significantly, ask for more money. Um, but but it does bring it into perspective because maybe Tim Elliott made the right decision, especially if it gets booked right away. And, and I got to think, you know, unless it's like a – I mean, look, if you're in a title fight and pull something like that, the UFC is going to be pissed. If you're in a main event and you say, well, my opponent missed weight by three pounds, I'm not taking this fight. No question about it. The UFC is going to be pissed off at you. 
and uh, they're not going to want to help you out. But when you're in a prelim and, you know, the guy does miss by four pounds, five pounds, and, and, and you know, I think fighters do have the right to say, I don't want to take this fight. Uh, and, and I think the UFC, for the most part, would agree with that. Again, unless it's their main event, unless it's a title fight, like at that point, listen, they're going to be a little bit upset. There's no question about it. If you, if you ruin a main event for them, even if it's not necessarily your fault, they're going to be a little frustrated. But I don't know. I, it, it's just interesting. You know, did Tim Elliott make the right decision by not taking the fight and only getting half his money? Or you know, did Ricardo Lamas make the right decision by kind of keeping that the show must go on mentality? I'll fight whoever. You know, getting the thirty percent, negotiating for the extra money, but then suffering a big loss, suffering a key loss. It's interesting. I mean, Ricardo Lamas had every right to do the same thing Tim Elliott did. Say, hey, you know what? And it's tempting, right? I mean, can you imagine Ricardo Lamas just saying, you know what? Never mind. I'll take my show money. And then why don't you put me up against T City? Put me up, a, put me up a fight in uh, March in Vegas against Brian Ortega, and we'll call that a number one contenders fight. I mean, in retrospect, in retrospect, that might have been the way to do it. Such, such tough. It's easy in hindsight, right, to look back and say how things could have gone or should have gone or what or what have you. So, just a, an interesting case study in how you handle. A fighter that misses weight. So, anyway, big win for Josh Emmett. Again, if you, if you weren't paying attention to this team, Alpha Male product, I bet you are now. Just an absolutely clean knockout. And uh, all class on the microphone afterwards. Here's what he had to say at the post-fight press conference. Josh, right in, right in front of you here. Uh, that was quite the knockout. I mean, just talk us through what you what you were seeing in there and how you were able to land you know, such a clean shot on Ricardo. Um, like I've been saying all night, man, that's Joey Rodriguez boxing at its finest. Um, I've been working with my boxing coach for, you know, almost going on five years, and uh, I've been working, uh, just watching film with, uh, you know, my coaches Felipe, Danny, Joey, and uh, Uriah, and we've been breaking down Lamas's kind of style, and, and I've had two, two teammates and, and a coach that have fought him, so that, that really played uh, well into my favor as well, so I was hoping to lure him into my game, and that's just like an all-out brawl where I can roll and land punches, or if I could drag him in, uh, coming in, I could catch him with that check hook. So he threw the leg kick. He was trying to beat up my uh, the shins. It seems like everyone's trying to do that now, you know, since the Stevenson and uh, Melendez fight, everyone's doing it. And uh, so I ate that to throw overhand right, and then I just came back with that check hook and uh, found the chin. And he was down for a while after you know the punch landed. What's going through your mind at that point when you know it's he's not getting up for a few minutes after the knockout? Yeah, it's a little tough to watch. You know, afterwards I was really excited that uh, I got the win, of course. Um, but then when I see him down there still, and you know, he has a wife and, and kids, and uh, you know, just his family's here. So like, I, I wish that on nobody. Um, so it's kind of I don't know. I can't really celebrate too much when I see something like that. When we spoke to you earlier this week, you seemed pretty confident you were going to make the weight you know, on short notice. Obviously, that didn't happen. Can you just tell us where things went wrong during the weight cut? Yeah, it was, um, I don't know, it was just that three-week notice. I, I guess I can't take short notice fights like that. Um, I'll take four to five weeks out. So like I said before, I apologize for not making them wait. Um, I was right on track, and then it was just with the time frame I had left, I knew there was no possible possible way that I could make it within that time. I just stopped sweating. I didn't have enough time to water load. Um, yeah, I just messed up, but I take full credit for that, and, and it won't happen again. There you go. And last thing from me, uh, just where do you go from here? You just knocked a you know, top three guy, former title challenger. How do you you know one-up this one going forward? 
my, my goal is to be a, or I mean a world champion, so I want up that when I get that title around my waist. But um, yeah, I just I, I don't know. I, I I knew I could go in there. I could I would beat him. I knew I could uh, if I just one punch, like I've been saying. And you know, a lot of these naysayers and haters out there, are like I guess you never landed a clean punch in the UFC yet. But hey, I guess I found it today. Josh, uh, when we spoke earlier on in the week, mm -hmm. I, I know it's a little cliche to compare, um, you know, a fighter story to Rocky, um, especially in this in, in this sport. Uh, but you did bring it up, you know, short notice, uh, you know, perhaps relatively unknown to the masses. Um, but did it all come out and play out in fruition in terms of that that kind of story that you had in your mind comparing it to Rocky? Yeah, of course. You know, I was. Uh I was the underdog going into this, so I said, hey, this is a real life Rocky story right here, and who doesn't love the underdog? You know, so a lot of people would be cheering for me and, uh, and rooting for me, of course, and uh, it, it'll be a true rags to riches American dream when I get that title around my waist. Did the fact that obviously, you know, you missed weight, did it take the edge off the win or the performance for you personally? Um, for me, uh, man, that was uh, when I knew I wasn't gonna make the weight, and I, I was working so hard to do it. We were gonna keep doing, keep going, keep going. But it was my coach's call. They they kind of saw what I was going through. I wasn't sweating. They knew it, it wasn't gonna work out. So it was their call. They said, "Hey, that's stop now. That's uh, you're not gonna make the weight." And to me, man, I was so I was disappointed. That's the first time I've ever missed weight. And I've wrestled since I was a little kid. Wrestled through college. All my fights, I've never missed weight. So it it almost felt like a loss to me. Like I was. I was really disappointed. I, I didn't even want to go in, you know, the, the weigh from 9 to 11. Uh, we f figured this out about 9.30. Um, I was like, can we at least wait? Cause, but we went in there and we waited in at 9.30 and I just felt, man, I just, I don't know, I was just so disappointed, more disappointed than anybody. And uh, it, like I said, it won't happen again. Something else we spoke about um, on media day was the idea that typically ranked fighters are looking ahead. You know, and uh, for unranked fighters, it's really hard to get an opportunity to fight someone with a, a number next to their name, let alone someone in the, in the top five. Mm. Um, so given that, you know, Ricardo, you know, gave this opportunity for you, would you perhaps entertain a rematch with him where you can put in a full camp and, and give him an opportunity to perhaps, you know, get, get one back? Oh, of course. You know, he he did this for me. Um, he, he didn't have to take this fight. Um, you know, he's one of the best guys in the world. It was risky for him. You know, he could sit back and he could probably wait for Edgar Holloway fight and then get, you know, get a title shot or fight um, Ortega and the winner of that get a title fight. So I'm, I'm truly grateful for him accepting the fight. And then as well as even with me missing the weight, um, he still took it. I had to give up 30% of my purse. So that's more than normal. So that's uh you know, I think I paid the price for that, and I got excluded from the performance bonuses. But you know, if there's a exception that the UFC or Dana White can do, I'll I'll gladly take that fifty thousand dollar bonus. And you know, what I mean, it's it's Christmas coming up. My wife and I were about to a week from today. We'll be landing in Rome to visit my brother in the military. Hey, I wanted to you know take him out as well because he's going to show us around, and we're going to one of his award ceremonies because uh, he's getting out of the military soon, and he's he's done some good things. So I'm uh, excited to be out there with my wife and my brother, and uh, just have a have a great time. And the final one for me: the Canadian fans are a special breed. Um, can you just sum up your experience here this week in Winnipeg, and also being able to fight in front of them tonight here in Winnipeg? Yeah, they they were great. You know, the Canadian fans. It's uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of the European fans. You know, they're like super fans. They're 
they're in the the arena's packed, all sold out. The first fight, you know, uh, they're just super respectful, and uh, it, I've had a great time in Winnipeg despite the cold, you know. And and a lot of people from Winnipeg are like, "Oh, it's warm out here," you know. I'm like, "This is not warm. It's eight degrees." Like, but the, but then that's when they're talking. It's usually negative forty or thirty or something like that. But when we left Sacramento, man, it was fifty-two degrees, and I was like, "This is cold." And and man, it it was a uh, shocked me when I got off the plane. All righty. Thank you, Josh. Got to respect Josh Emmett. Willing to give the rematch if that's something that was in the cards. I don't, I don't think it necessarily makes sense to go back and revisit this fight. Um, but I, I like his attitude, man. I like Emmett's attitude. And, again, all class in, uh, in the way he handled himself as well. And Ricardo Lamas, again, does deserve a lot of respect for taking this fight when uh, he, he, he definitely didn't have to. He definitely didn't have to. Uh, all right, so kind of a, a weird choice in, in co-main event, but I think that that worked out perfect. I think the fight that, you know, we talked about going in that I thought was, you know, was the, the people's co-main event, if it will. Santiago Ponzinibbio picks up a decision win over Mike Perry. Good Lord, man, how fantastic was that? You know, just a fun fight. Lived up to everything that we thought it would be and more, other than maybe we just didn't get a finish. You know, I think we, we probably thought this was going to have some kind of a, a violent end, uh, and it didn't. But because of that, I think we ended up getting even more fun out of it. I mean, these two dudes were going at it for 15 minutes. It was funny how everybody – I mean, the uh, the Chase Sherman <laughs> – the Chase Sherman tweet where he says, you know, if this fight goes the distance, I'll let Francis Ngano hit me square in the face with my hands tied behind my back. <laughs> He recanted on that, as you can imagine. This was a fun fight, man. Santiago Ponzinibbio does pick up the decision win. Gut check for him late. Absolute gut check for him late. You know, I thought, um, you know, both guys started slow a little bit uh, towards the end, and understandably so. The pace had been high from start to finish, and, you know, Santiago Ponzinibbio just dug a little bit deeper. And and was able to to take this fight to the ground, which was which was huge, a big takedown late, and you could just see Mike Perry was exhausted, and you know, just got absolutely, uh, you know, just ended up holding on basically instead of really working for the uh, for the sweep or the escape to get back to his feet. And I think that was just a matter of sheer exhaustion at that point, and understandably so. You know, I, I wouldn't say that. You know, we, we need to worry about cardio issues or, or, or concerns. I mean, the dude is definitely a, a strong, muscular guy that puts power in everything he throws. So, yeah, to, to some degree, I think when fights go late, it's always going to be a little bit more difficult for him. But, you know, this wasn't something that, that, that made me question, is this going to be, you know, a weakness of his in the future? I mean, this was a, this was a high-paced fight. It really was. And uh, just an impressive performance by Santiago Ponsonibio. Both these guys showing an impressive chin, man. There was some back-and-forth trading. Again, just lived up to everything we wanted to be. Both guys getting beat up. Enough so that Santiago Ponsonibio, I mean, you know, marked up face, bruised up, uh, didn't even make it to the post-fight press conference. You know, he had to be transported for precautionary reasons, and understandably so. I mean, any time a victorious fighter isn't able to show up at the post-fight press conference, you know he's been through an absolute war, but... Um, this was a lot of fun. I, I picked Mike Perry coming in this fight. I have to say, um, you know, part of that I think is just 
I'm a Mike Perry fan. He's <laughs> he's just so fun to talk to, and he's fun to watch fight. I mean, the whole, gosh, the 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 weight cutting Q and A that he had from inside the portable sauna, and you know, freestyle rapping to Jingle Bell Rock and and talking trash. I mean, just a lot of fun. Everything about the guy is is I, I've been a fan of, of watching his growth in the UFC, and I think there's some, you know. Big, big fights ahead of Mike Perry as well. I mean, that guy's not going anywhere. He, he's He's got star quality. There's no question about it. His fighting style is fun. There's big fights ahead, no problem. Hell, I mean, does Mike Perry and Robbie Lawler make sense now? I mean, they're both coming off losses. Is that a fight anybody would have a problem signing up for? Not me. I'm in. You know, maybe Robbie Lawler would look at that as something that was a little too far down the ladder for him. And that's no disrespect to Mike Perry. I mean, Robbie Lawler's been doing this forever, but stylistically, that'd be a hell of a fight. But Ponzinibbio, man, he is the real deal. He he proved it. He proves it time and time again. And uh, you know, after that big knockout of of Gunnar Nelson earlier this year, and now you've got uh, a big win over Mike Perry. And uh, you know, it wasn't really called a grudge match. It was you know, it's just a Mike Perry fight. Uh, and and Ponzinibbio. How about the how about the, the the work on the mic by John Anik afterwards? Where <laughs> I thought the move of the fight there was John Anik's MVP move of getting out of the cage, but you know I like Santiago Ponzinibbio saying, "Hey, you know, give me a give give me a a, um, a title fight, give me an interim title fight." And I think I don't think that's necessary. I, I don't find it necessary at all, to be honest with you. I, I don't think, and I think Tyron Woodley has said it as well. He's like, "Listen, man, yes, I'm I'm." going to be sidelined for a little bit but you know I'm one of the most active guys in the sport um so I, I don't think an interim title fight makes sense but I do think a big big fight makes sense I mean you know a fight with Wonder Boy that's somebody that's still up there a little bit a fight with Colby Covington maybe that's somebody that um is higher up the ranks and you know, could be kind of that backup number one contender fight. You know, maybe if Kamaru Usman ends up proving victorious in St. Louis, you do something there. But, um, you know, definitely some, some big, big fights on the horizon for Ponzinibbio. And uh, I thought this was just a, an impressive performance. Hell of a fight. Maybe, I thought maybe a fight of the night candidate, but I, but I'm always kind of glad when they go with the guys lower down the card, you know. Not that these two guys couldn't have used the money, but I think when the prelim guys get that extra 50K, it's uh, it's life-changing. The night's Fox main card kicked off with Glover Teixeira picking up a first-round win over Misha Serkinov. Uh, impressive fight here by Glover Teixeira. Uh, the guy's still dangerous even at his age. You know, He said, listen, I'm kind of the old guy in the bunch. You know, I'm 38 years old now. Uh, I, I get it. i got to prove myself. But you know, I thought he proved that he, he still does belong. Uh, at the top of the light heavyweight heap, he's still as dangerous as anybody in the division. I, uh, I, I you know, I had picked Glover to share coming into this fight. Uh, I, I, I don't mean this is any kind of a knock on Misha Serkinov. I just, I'm not sold yet against the top guys. I'm not quite sold yet. And I think Glover Teixeira showed some of those weaknesses tonight. You know, I didn't know if this was that fight. You know, it's fa- it famously said in the, in the fight game, um, you know, one day you just show up and you're old, and it's and it's a noticeable difference. Um, and you know, I didn't know is, is this going to be the time that that happens to Glover Teixeira? You know, coming off that um, that you know tough loss to Alexander Gustafsson, you know, was was this going to be the night that he showed up looking old? Um, and listen, Serkinov was having some success on the feet early. 
no question about it, man. I thought he was really starting to roll a little bit and uh, and to get a little bit of momentum. But uh, Glover Teixeira wisely took the fight to the floor, you know, showed his well-rounded skills, man. The guy has got some submission abilities and, and thought it might be able to get the fight done there, but wasn't quite able to get the finish on the, uh, or on the ground via uh, the submission. So just turned to his strikes, and you could see he had the hooks in. He had everything trapped and uh, just absolutely pummeled Misha Serkinov to, to get the finish. Immediately came over to Daniel Cormier, who was doing the commentating, and said, listen, man, you, you told me I could get a shot at this, and, and I think I deserve it. And, man, it's it's crazy, right? But he, he kind of does. It's it's He's, he's kind of up there at the top. I mean, we still got him uh, as number six in, in our light heavyweight rankings. You know, I don't know if he'll if he'll move up or not. You know, I can kind of see this being one of those situations where, you know, Alexander Gustin we have right in front at number five. You know, how do you how do you jump past him when when you just lost the head to head matchup? But you know, in our light heavyweight ranking, we got at three and four are guys fighting in, in Bellator. So that's Ryan Bader and Phil Davis. Um, so Volkan Ozdemir has the title shot next. You know, does Glover Teixeira maybe have one more fight? You know, maybe he fights Jimmy Manawa, maybe. You know, and, and, and that's maybe not necessarily a, a number one contender fight, but, you know, the backup fight, so to speak. Maybe that fight would make some sense. Or maybe maybe, maybe Glover Teixeira just sits around and waits. I don't know, but he proved he's still dangerous. And uh, he says, listen, you know, I know the end is coming, but I think I've got one more title run left in me. And uh, and this might be it. So we'll see. Preliminary card was capped off by Jan Blahovich picking up the decision win over Jared Cannonier. Uh, Blahovich just looked good, man. His, his, his jab was there. He's a guy that sometimes I think looks, if, if I'm being honest, sometimes I think he looks slow. Um, and I, I didn't think he looked that way tonight. I, I thought his jab was just super slick, man. And, and uh, you know, he said he could have thrown the right hand a little bit more behind it. And that's that's true. But, you know, I thought he put together combinations enough to be effective. And I thought the jab was great. And, uh, you know, Kenanier, I think, is, is somebody that's improving. This was a big test for him. This was a, this was a big step up for Kenanier. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Kenanier, man. I, I love his personality. Um, but, you know, he's he struggled against the upper echelon of the division. And, uh, you know, I think this was kind of one of those those growing pains type of fights for Jared Kenanier, uh, you know, who's, who's no spring chicken. Um, but it's still fairly early in his career, and I think he'll, he'll continue to improve. Cannonier in the past has talked about the fact that he can make 185 pounds. Um, I don't know if that's still the case. It does seem like it'd be a tough cut for him, but tonight, man, you, you could definitely see the difference. Blahovich is, is one of those big, bad 205-pounders, and you could really see the difference in there. And I think if Cannonier can get down to 185 pounds, um, I'd like to see it, You know, assuming it's not going to just make him absolutely – you know, miserable, uh, you know, one of those, you know, kidney-threatening weight cuts. Um, but he said before he thinks he can do it. So uh, I think tonight proved that, you know, maybe uh, that would be a, a nice move for him. Julian Marquez and Darren Stewart got the evening's fight of the night bonus. Fun fight, man. Marquez is, is uh, making some waves on his way into the UFC, isn't he? Had that beautiful knockout of Phil Haas on Dana White's Contender Series 4 back in August. Just that perfectly timed crushing head kick. Man, what a hell of a highlight that was against uh, Phil Haas, who's, a, who's you know long time been you know the, the prospect that, that can't miss. Uh, 
and Marquez comes in, knocked him out, and then comes in tonight and just goes toe-to-toe with them, puts on a damn show. I, I, how can you not be a fan? Dancing on his way to the cage, had a, you know, just relaxed as can be, you know, a Tyson Pedro-esque walk out to the cage and then goes in there and just bangs it out with Darren Stewart. Just toe-to-toe trading. Uh, can't get any more exciting than that. And then ultimately chokes him unconscious with the guillotine choke. Uh, I mean, what more can you say? You know, I, I don't know what Julian Marquez's upside is. I don't know, you know, where he'll ultimately land and, and you know, how you know how far he can go. But I tell you what, he's looked good so far. You know, guys is has made the journey, you know, fought in Bellator, fought in LFA, fought in the Contender Series. Now he's in the UFC. He's a showman. His style is fun. I mean, what's there not to like? And, you know, Dana White says, I- I'm a fan as well. So, you know, that helps. When the boss of the organization says, I'm a fan, that's that's a good guy to have on your side. So super impressed by him tonight. And, uh, you know, tough luck for Darren Stewart. Uh, Darren Stewart um, has has had some uh, rough goes in the UFC. And I think, you know, after a, a kind of a wild start, I think you know he's he's probably he's probably done at this point. Um, so he's had some good fights, but just haven't gone his way. It's nice to pick up that fifty thousand dollar bonus, but I think he's probably going to be back on the regional stage trying to tighten things up. But meanwhile, Julian Marquez, man, seems like somebody keeping on. If nothing else, he's damn fun to watch fight. Hey, by the way, I should say if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor, go into iTunes, make sure you subscribe to us. All right. Take a second. Go in there and give us a rating. Review us. Leave us some feedback. Love reading those comments when I can. But it also helps us out. It helps the, it helps the algorithms behind the scene that uh, help us get known. Of course, hey, if you got some friends that are fans, make sure and tell, us, tell them uh, about our show as well. And uh, have them subscribe and rate and review and do all that good stuff. Do it. Help us out. Damn it. <laughs> Chad LaPriest picked up a TKO win over Galore Buffando. Um... I mean, what can you say? Galore Bufando, so fun to watch fight, man. I mean, the guy is creative and unpredictable and, and quick and powerful. But it's obviously, he's he's still raw. You know, he's still very much a raw product that needs finish. But the dude certainly has all the raw materials in place. And he's fun to watch fight. And he's dangerous. And Chad LaPriest found that out early on. Getting dropped with a combination. But popped up right away. Very impressed. Got back to his feet and then just methodically picked his opponent apart until he basically got in mount. And you could see that Glor had uh, basically no idea how to get out of that position, if if we're being honest. He was just absolutely trapped. And uh, the punches came nonstop, and he was ultimately finished at 4-10 of the first round. Chad LaPriest quietly now on a three-fight winning streak with all three by way of finish. All three by way of TKO, and now six and two in the UFC. So, a guy that's making some waves, a guy that's doing some big things, a guy that's very quiet about you know going and doing the business, but he's getting it done. Uh, I'll still tune in to watch Profondo moving forward. He's fun. Norton Talib picked up the quick finish of Danny Roberts. Uh, Danny Roberts was not happy about the finish, but. I, I think there was no question about it. This this fight was done. Uh, I thought the stoppage was was just here. Uh, you know, the, the the head kick came and then the big right hand afterwards, and this fight was done in just 59 seconds. Um, 
good performance by Nordine Talib. Funny because Danny Roberts came out, and it was Danny Roberts who uh, actually threw the first high kick and just missed. Uh, and what a, what a completely different story it could have been. And then it's Nordine that comes back and scores his own head kick, as he said, you know, lucky in some ways. You know, he, he said it's a, it's a one in a thousand type deal, uh, and it was lucky of him to land. And then, of course, the, the big right hand came behind. It didn't exactly land flush, but it was flush enough to get the job done. Uh, Nordine, the, the funny side story there, he's working security for Neymar now, one of the most famous soccer players in the world. you gotta, you got to think Neymar gets a kick out of watching that fight with his boys, right? Saying, ah, that's, my, that's my badass security guard. How about that? <laughs> but uh, a great performance there by Nordine Tlaib. But again, I had no problem with the stoppage. I understand Danny, Danny Roberts' frustration. Of course, you know, you don't know what's going through a guy's head in the moment. I mean, are they even thinking straight? You know, at this point, if you talk to Danny Roberts, would he would he protest or or would he say, "No, nah, I'm I'm good. I totally understand." Um, you know, at this point, after he's recovered a little bit and had a chance to watch it, he might not even protest anymore. So, don't fault him at all for protesting. But I had no problem with the stoppage. Tough go for Danny Roberts. I mean, a guy that had a lot of a lot of hype behind him uh, was getting a little buzz on the on the on the scene over there in England. Of course, he lost to Mike Perry late last year. Came back and picked up a win earlier this year, and now, you know, falls to one and two in his last three. And it's it's funny how fast those turnarounds can happen. Um, you know, had all the buzz, and now one and two, and, and kind of in desperate need of a win coming out next time. So, uh, man, it's a tough thing about this fight game. John McDessie, the decision win over Abel Trujillo. Uh, yeah. Uh, Abel Trujillo had had promised to bring the violence. You know, you heard him on the broadcast referencing the MMA Junkie interview where you know he had come out saying he was he was you know gonna gonna get this thing done early. You know, was 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 going to go out there and was going to be violent and uh, just lacked a little something tonight. You know, I don't know. I I wasn't impressed by the performance. You know, I thought. Uh, we'd see a little bit more aggression out of him. You know, I think we saw the most aggression uh, at the end of the fight when you, when you had a little bit of a, a dust-up between him and McDessie. And McDessie was frustrated and said, come on, man, you know, show some respect. This is martial arts. Uh, but overall, just kind of a dis- disappointing performance from Abel Trujillo, uh, who, who promised to, you know, to, to, to rebound nicely from his February loss, said he was in the you know, best, best uh, shape that he's ever been in and felt like he was going to do something special and uh, just uh, – just wasn't there tonight. Uh, you know, big emotional win for John McDessie. I thought it was cool. You know, he talked about, uh, you know, relocating to Rufus Sport. Really kind of saved his career. How he, was, how he had lost a lot of confidence, man. So much of this is a mental game. I think that's what sometimes people forget behind the scenes, man. This, so much of this is a, is a mental game. And, um, man, these fighters, they, they even question themselves sometimes, you know. And when you have a couple of losses, all of a sudden you don't quite have the the uh, the confidence that you once did, and you don't quite have the swagger that you once did, and you're, and you're second guessing yourself, and you're you're questioning yourself, and that's no way to step into a cage. That's why you know when when people call fighters cocky, uh, you know I, I I can't fault a guy. You know if you're if you're gonna lock yourself in a cage with another human being hell bent on you, doing you damage, man, be cocky. <laughs> you know. Be as confident as you possibly can. Um, so, you know, pretty cool for McDessie to, to open up like that. Alessio DeCirico picked up the $50,000 bonus for his knockout of Alawali Bangbos uh, with the second round knee strike to the face, uh, saving what was a, a rather 
boring fight up to that point, to be honest with you. Um, it, it had been very slow and uh, just not much happening. You know, I was kind of doing the recap for it, and that's, that's what I was – I wasn't doing play-by-play -play tonight. I was actually writing up all the, the post-fight recaps. And, you know, I said it was, technically it was probably savvy work by both guys. DeChirico wanted to fight in the center of the cage, and so he didn't want to be pulled out to the edge there where Bang Bolsh had set up. And, and, and Bang Bolsh, for his part, was, was kind of refusing to engage. Um, you know, bo both guys were basically just kind of refusing – to play into the other guy's game plan, and and that's that's okay. I mean, that's that's smart fighting, um, but it started to get pretty listless pretty quick, and the crowd was definitely not into it. And uh, DeChirico finally started to press the action a little bit, and I thought did a fantastic job. Got into the clinch and, and landed that big knee, and uh, man, you know, interesting. You know, picked up the performance of the night bonus for basically a few seconds worth of work, because there was nothing about that performance before that that was very entertaining at all. Um, but good for DeChirico because that was a, a pretty fantastic knockout. Uh, maybe he can buy Josh Emmett uh, a couple of beers tonight at the bar because I think he uh, he wouldn't have got that $50,000 if Emmett had made weight. Uh, no question about that. Uh, hell, maybe even, I don't know if LaPriest would have been a contender for it. But still, I think if Josh Emmett doesn't, you know, makes weight, DeChirico doesn't get to catch that $50,000 bonus. But still, uh, good work from DeChirico. Get DeChirico, the, the Italian, uh, you know, contender. He's 2-2 two and two in the UFC now. You know, can he help move the card? You know, he, he's not in a position yet where he can headline the card. But y'all always think, I mean, the UFC's always wanted to get to, to Italy. You know, maybe the, the motivation is a little less so now that the Fertitas aren't there. Of course, that was, you know, a big, big thing for them was they wanted to compete in Italy. But... You know, I don't know if you guys saw that, but Bellator quietly announced, you know, they're going to Rome. They've 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 done a couple of cards already in some of the smaller cities in Italy, Italy and they're going to Rome next summer. That's a bummer because I think it's during International Fight Week because I would love to have an excuse to go to Rome <laughs> to cover an event, and I don't think that's going to happen because I think it's going to be during International Fight Week. Um, now, Bellator, when they go over there, um, they basically do half MMA, half kickboxing cards, and... You know, I think that's the, the model right there. You know, kickboxing is a lot more popular in Italy than MMA is right now. So they have to split up the card a little bit. The UFC doesn't have the ability to do that. So, um, you know, that's that may be one reason they, they still feel like Italy's not a good market for them yet. But you always wonder when you, when you get these guys, again, you know, in no way is, is DeChirco in a position where he could headline a fight night or anything like that at this point. But when you see guys hailing from a country uh, that's an expansion market and you see them pick up, you know, a key win here or there, uh, you know there's possibilities for them uh, in the future. So uh, just something to monitor, something to keep an eye on. That's that's a, a market I know the UFC has always wanted to get to and, and one of the few that, that they still haven't that, you know, that could be a good one. One card on the fight pass prelims, Jordan Meehan uh, picked up a unanimous decision win over Eric Silva. Jordan Meehan, I thought he looked great. You know, here, here's a guy – you know, you talk about fighters saying something pre-fight and then not delivering on it. Jordan Meehan um, had an interview with, with Mike Bond where, uh, you know, he basically said, listen, I need to go in there like I'm willing to die. You know, I got to give everything I have uh, to, to to win. You know, he's like, my comeback has been terrible um, and, and, and I need to, you know, I need a win desperately. Um, and he got it, man. And I thought he looked fantastic over Eric Silva. Uh, best Jordan Meehan we've seen in a while. Uh clean sweep of the cards over Eric Silva and Eric Silva man man I mean came to the UFC with so much hope and potential back in 2011 and um you know 
had some has had moments of, of brilliance here and there. It does look capable of doing um, you know great things at times. But you know he's now one and four in his past five. That's not good. That's not good at this level. He's thirty three. Um, you know they're doing less Brazil shows. This is not the era of doing seven you know Brazil events a year. This is the era of three. And and you know is Eric Silva still a draw? This was the first fight of the night. You know I I don't know. Could he be gone? I I think very possibly. And, and I hate to ponder somebody's future like that, but um, just looked kind of flat tonight. Looked kind of flat tonight. And and don't want to take anything away from Jordan Meehan, who looked great. Um, but I don't know. This could be the end of Eric Silva. Crazy. I just think about all the hype that was around Eric Silva. You know, he was going to be the next big Brazilian thing, and then to think where he's at now really is uh really is kind of wild man it, it shows how how things can can change and uh you know being hyped the next big thing doesn't necessarily always guarantee success so anyway all right well listen uh i wasn't in winnipeg so i don't have a lot of behind the scenes uh action for you and i'd love to get a little something from cold coffee but my man is working hard to finish the work that he still got to do that i was in communication with him on on, uh, on whatsapp up there in, in uh, winnipeg and He's still grinding away, trying to get done with everything they had. So, uh, unfortunately, he he's not going to chime in tonight. But he'll be back in town next week, and uh, kind of a slow week next week, right? There's not 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 any events, you know, with the with the holiday coming up. Obviously, it doesn't make sense to to do events the week of Christmas Eve. So, um, it's a it's an open open uh, week on the schedule. So, who knows? We can do something kind of fun for the show. We won't have a lot of direct MMA to talk about, but we'll uh, we'll figure out something. Maybe we'll try to get together with a guest or two or do something kind of special fun. I'll talk to him about that once he gets back in town. Once he once he warms up a little bit, man. I saw the pictures up there. It is not did not look fun. I heard the arena's amazing in Winnipeg. Um not a huge crowd tonight. Tickets tickets weren't amazing. Uh did just over a million dollars at the gate in uh Canadian dollars, which is seven hundred and eighty one thousand US 88.62 was the attendance. Again, not bad for a fight night, but not great. And uh, especially, you know, Canada being the great market that it is, you would expect it something a little better. I guess it was just, I don't know. I, I thought the card ended up being good. I thought it had a lot of meaningful fights on it. Just maybe the fact that it was so damn cold, man. People didn't want to get out. And again, close to holidays, maybe they just don't have the money to spend. So anyway, not a failure for the UFC, but not a home run. And it definitely ended up being a fun night uh, on TV. So anyway, all right, well, listen. I uh, like I said, I wasn't there. I was watching from my office, so I had the same view you did on TV. So no insight from me. Those are just my thoughts. Hopefully they're still entertaining to you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>